0: Hope is here. I would like to thank the Rector family, some of them, for leading us this morning. It was great to see three of them up there. Good job reminding us that hope is here in the form of Jesus, and we're thankful that he does change our lives. Uh, thanks for being here this morning, and thanks for those joining online, a special shout-out to Anne. Uh, Ann uh, lives around the same area we live in, and uh, can't make it out to uh, church on Sunday mornings, but it's funny, she sent us a Christmas card, and she knew we had moved to Lodi, so it's a Dave and Cindy Spencer, new residence in Lodi, Lodi. And it got to us. What a town, huh? No street address, and it was in our mailbox, so that is great. You know the guy down the street who does this and this? Put that on your envelope, and it will get there. No, I don't. Don't do that, please. But again, it's great to have you here joining us uh, in person on online and high-end, and hopefully Rose is with you, too. You know, for us, as we think about hope being here, uh, today's uh, message really is a cornerstone. It's where the rubber meets the road as we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. And for the convinced Christ follower... Uh, it's just uh, re emphasizing your identity in Christ and what you experience as a Christ follower. And the subject is Hope is Here for the Troubled. And we'll talk and unpack that idea of trouble for the unconvinced person. Uh, you're going to find that uh, eventually or sometime in reflective moments that there is a missing piece in your heart. And I don't say that uh, arrogantly, condescendingly, I just say there is a piece and uh, we try to fill it with all kinds of things. Even those who have said yes to Christ occasionally drift and try to fill this hole with other things or try to complement it, and eventually, though, no matter who you are, convinced or unconvinced, you have to this point where there's, there's something missing, and the person we just sang about Jesus Christ is the only one that can fill that place in our heart. Nothing else can do it. And you see, we're all made with this idea, this yearning for something more. Uh, Solomon says it this way, God has set eternity in the human heart. In other words, as human beings, we were made for, humanity, uh, for eternity. We're made for more than just now. Um, every heart has that feeling, no matter who you are. Uh, Living the American dream, whatever that is, will not do it. And I've had uh, the pleasure of uh, meeting some friends along the way uh, that basically started from nothing, and now they have something, whatever that means. And there was a tipping point, even in their life, when they got into their late 30s, early 40s, and they had gotten done, checked one more thing off the list, a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. Finally, they said, hey, I'm checking off all the boxes, but that's not filling my heart, and then instead of pausing and then regrouping and finding more things to fill their life with, more distractions, more noise, they turned their eyes to this idea, maybe there is something to this idea of God, and so they had it built into their heart, eternity in their heart, and that drew them. So no matter where you're at, we have that need, we have that hole, and we can try to fill it with things, and we find that the things we try to fill with it are actually pretty empty. C.S. Lewis says it this way, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world, and that other world is eternity with God. No sin breaking the relationship. We talk about new heavens and earth someday. Christ returns, and that's hardwired into us. And the minute we stop and pause and we look at what our life is, what we have, what we don't have, there's this moment where we realize something's off, something's out of face. I'm actually troubled by this world. And again, referring back to that one friend, uh, things were going. So it wasn't trouble in his life per se. He, he wasn't, it, uh, uh, the, the trouble could fit into his life, but, but he really wasn't, tr- had trouble in his life, but he still was troubled. And there's that hole. In, in our hearts. And so we're made for something else. Uh, nothing here will satisfy us completely no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we fill it into our lives, no matter how much we turn the volume, no matter how busy we get, distracted we get, uh, it just doesn't work. We're, we're, we're not made for this world in this way it exists, broken with sin. Of course, a very favorite uh, movie this time of year, not one of my favorites, but a very favorite movie that comes up uh, occasionally, is the movie Elf, and Elf is discovering that he is not an elf, and he's trying to come to terms with that, so let's just watch a couple minutes of this. There were a few drawbacks to being a a human in an Elf's world. I think they're too small. I just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. You know, there are a few drawbacks to being a human in Elf's world, or we could say it this way, there are a few drawbacks to being a Christ follower in an unbeliever's world. And we're going to feel troubled. If you say you've said yes to Christ and you're fully engaged with your relationship with Christ, there ought to be some out-of-phase vibe that doesn't feel good, some troublesome in your life. It it should be there. If you're finding that you can fit in and nothing seems to bother you and you're okay and all of that, then something's gone awry. It goes on to say that little elves as they're talking about elf Well, if he hasn't figured out who he is, he is a human by now, I don't think he ever will. And there's a danger for those of us who are Christ followers, uh, real Christ followers, change of heart. But there's a danger when we try to be comfortable in this world with none of that out of phase, tension, whatever you want to call it, that vibe. Uh, We could say it this way, when, well, if he or she hasn't figured out he or she is a Christ follower now, I don't know if he or she ever will. And that's, again, getting accustomed and used to this world. You ought to be troubled. So hope is here for the troubled, and at some level, some degree, as a Christ follower, you ought to always have a low-grade fever of trouble. And if you don't, then you need to take inventory in your life and ask why that is. What does that mean? Because this is not our home. We read, We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines brightly. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. There's a fog, we squint, things are off a little bit, but someday for the Christ follower, that will all be settled. We will see clearly as we go and as we're with God directly. But for right now, until that completeness We have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation, trust steadily in God, have faith, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of all three is love. You got this... Trifacta, in a sense, these three ideas that uh, a Christ followers to hold on in this time of uh, non-completeness, in this time of being out of phase with our world, having that tension in our life. There's obviously trusting, having faith, uh, love extravagantly, and that, that he says, is the best of the three is love. But this is this peace that we ought to have a hope that is unswervingly, that doesn't move, that stays strong, And we hold on to that. And that helps us not get over the troubled world we live in. It helps us navigate the troubled world, keep our boat afloat in the storm of life, because we do live in this broken world. And whether the news says it's terrible or wonderful or whatever's going on, when we boil it down to just even our own little world, there is this out of phaseness. we live troubled. Jesus says this, and everything I've taught you is so that peace will, which is in me will be in you. And you will have a great confidence as you rest in me and that idea is having that confidence to be resting in him in this world of troubles as you are troubled you can still rest you can still say this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel good I don't know why this is going on just look at the way people act look what's happening on our planet I just uh, uh, oh but you can have confidence you can rest in him For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. And he leaves that in our hands, that as we think about the trouble we experience, as we think about trying to rest, we remember we have the hope that is here, hope in Christ that someday we too will live in that state of overcoming the world when we're with him or when he returns and he sets everything right. So as we think about our lives, we could ask the question, I wish we could go around and have a mic session and say, what are some of the ways Christ followers, Christ followers, that you don't fit in, finding it troubling? Maybe you don't have to think too much, maybe you have to think a little bit, but what what are those things? What would the things be that are bothering you? You could say this whole covid thing and you remember that email I sent out maybe a week or two ago that just talked about when it comes to the facts, a lot of this stuff is like nailing jello to the wall. It changes from newscast to newscast. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong, doesn't mean that it's right. You just you just don't know what to do with it. And there's so many things. Uh, maybe it's troubling the way some of the people that you're really dear to and just the way they're responding to life and the way they're living. You're not saying you're being judgmental. Your, your, Your heart just breaks because you know there's a better way and there's a better way in Christ. So you live a little bit of tension, and you still have relationships as you ought to, you still have friendships, you still have family get-togethers, and it's just there, and you just feel like an odd duck a little bit, that is okay, it ought to trouble you, there ought to be that feeling. You know, so what do we do it? You know, we as we look at our world and we see it through Christ follower eyes. And if you haven't said yes to Christ, you, you may see some of this, and some of this may not be there. But I'm forewarning you: when you say Christ, when you see, say yes to Christ, transformational inside, you will feel that vibe of troubleness. And even we see with Elf trying to function in a human world, he just can't read it. He doesn't always see it. Now, as Christ followers, that doesn't mean we should be careless. It doesn't mean we should be sloppy. It doesn't mean we should be uncaring. We need to have grace. But there are just sometimes we just don't see the world around us the way everybody else sees it because we're seeing it through the eyes of a relationship with God that hopefully is growing. Just watch Elf as he tries to navigate, just not knowing what is going on in his world. I didn't know you had elves working here. Oh. Boy, you're, you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't, uh, get, get back to the story, please. <clears throat> so, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Buddy. Go back to the I've got houses in L. A., Paris, and Vale. Oh. Each one of them with a seventy-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You're feeling strong, my friend. Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry Elf. <laughs> Look at you! <laughs> Yikes, huh? He's just not reading his word, world. There's not a malicious bone in Elf that he's not reading his world because he's out of phase with it. And again, this, we should be able to do a little bit better job, Christ follows, of reading our world. But there are those times where we don't read our world well, and we feel like we're stepping in it, stepping in it, and stepping in it, and making things worse and worse and worse. Why? Because this isn't our world. Because my home is somewhere else. My ultimate home is not here. And this is Tough. I don't know about you, but we're investing in our home. You invest in your home. You spend money on your home. You try to make your home just right, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful, but you're living in two, like, realities. We ought to do well with the things we have. We ought to enjoy them. God wants us to enjoy his gifts, but it's not our home. They're not going with us. I have to wake up to the reality that I won't have a MacBook in heaven, I don't think. Oh, oh. When it comes time to reading the scriptures in the morning, I won't be flipping my computer open going, I probably won't be doing that. Well, actually, I think I will because I think Apple will be in heaven. But anyway, that's another story. But there's a lot of other things that will not be there. My ultimate home is not here. I've seen people take this to an extreme, and they're just sloppy with everything they own. They're not a good steward. They they go, because this is just going to burn, and that's an excuse for not taking care of things. But we need to own our things, not have our things own us. We are convinced that even if these bodies we live in are folded up at death like tents, we will still have a God-built home that no human hands have built, which will last forever in the heavenly realms. Simply said, there is a place for you and me in heaven with God when we've said yes to him. Again, we warp everything. That means I go, wow, since I'm a pastor, I should probably get at least a three bay garage right on my house. And you know, I've been so faithful. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not a, that kind of stuff. There's going to be a place, a real place, where you and I don't feel out of phase, where we're not troubled. But in these times, we ought to be troubled. We ought to be restless. This is not. Our home friends this world is not your home so don't make yourselves cozy in it don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul every one of us has a different application for that under God's leadership in our life, under the Holy Spirit's leadership in our heart, we should be able to discern when we're getting too cozy in it. And if we compare ourselves to others, game's over. So if you say, well, you know, that person's really cozy in it, so what I'm doing is okay, yet you can't play that game. We talk about making a difference in your life by growing in your relationship with God through Christ. As you're growing in your relationship with God day by day, you're not living on one meal a week coming to church on Sunday or your favorite speaker you listen to on your podcast. As you're growing daily, you can figure out when I'm starting to own something and become too cozy with it. My first spring break as a freshman in college. We went from Virginia to Myrtle Beach. We got our rides all figured out. We were going to stay on the beach in a tent. And I pulled all my money together, and I bought this Sears Hillary tent. It was so cool. I was so conscious when the two other guys and I were getting into it. Okay, clean your feet off, don't do that. I mean, I was just like, this is a beautiful tent. You know, I could just hear the angels, ah, you know, because it was just set up so nice. Had new strings, knew this, knew that. We went on a walk for the beach. Came back two years, two, two, yeah, two years later. A, we, <laughs> that's another story, no. <laughs> As we were abducted by aliens, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, we came back two hours later. And I could see the tent going like this. We got nearer the tent and all of a sudden, zoom, 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 two squirrels went flying out of it. We had left bread and food in our tent and they had eaten a hole in the side of my tent. Oh, I don't like squirrels anymore. Pink flamingos, squirrels, sweet potatoes somewhere in there. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, too. Anyway, but, uh, so, so it, was just, it was just, I couldn't believe it. But you know what? The first thought that came to my mind, and sometimes this is weird Christian thinking, but the first thought that came to my mind is I had put too much value on that thing, and God was showing me not to do that. So now every time I get, a lot of times I get items, I like to this little prayer. Lord, I really like this, but I like you more. Don't, 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 you know, don't. You know, I really got a new car. Please help one of the kids not scratch it, you know, or whatever, you know. I try, you know, and sometimes I mean it, sometimes I don't. But, uh, you know, I do pray that prayer. But don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And you know exactly when you are doing that. When something position, a person, a possession, whatever it may be, or having a lack of those things, and you wear that as a badge, your ego is filled up at the expense of your soul. This is not your ultimate home. Live like that. Live like that. My ultimate happiness is not here. Call it joy, whatever you want to call it. It's not here. You get moments of it. Am I thankful for that? There are moments where I kind of, while life is good, life is sweet, relationships are good with those around me, and relationships are good with God. Happiness is there here, but it's not my ultimate happiness. If I'm searching for it here, I'm never gonna have that scratch itched. Won't happen. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration compared to what's coming. Living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, and we get a glimpse of it. We get a glimpse of that place where the peace in our heart really does transcend all understanding. And we go, wow. That old hymn, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. I love that song. You wouldn't think I'd love that song, but I love that song. I envision me sitting in my lazy boy chair, yes, feet up, coffee in my hand, computer on my lap, hearing from God from his scriptures. And I am like, I've come to my garden alone, and there's sweet times, and, and I know it's coming to an end. I see glimpses of my true home, a place of peace, uh, I, not a, just a spiritual place. If you look at other scriptures, someday we'll have new bodies, all that goes along with that. And I get a glimpse, and I realize the most happy moments here are just like this compared to what is coming. And so I hold on to that. I allow myself to be troubled. I embrace being troubled. I embrace the fact that I don't fit here. And that's good because if I did fit here, that means there must be something else going on in my heart. Obviously, my ultimate hope is not here, it kind of goes right along with that. My hope is for the future. My hope is for that day. Um, I've only done this a couple times because to sound very weird, but sometimes when I've had a close friend who's coming to the end of their life, I'll actually say to them, when you get to heaven, if it's possible, look some of my loved ones up, and I'll name them. think that is possible. Because I know this is not my hope can't wait to see uh, my Grammy. I can't wait to see my grandfather I never knew who died when my mother was 16. My hope's not here. Can't wait to be with Jesus face-to-face, have no sin. I don't even know how that happens. Uh, Last uh, Christmas Eve, we talked about that. God is enough. He doesn't divvy himself up, so we get fully all of him. I'm not saying it the way um, Tozer said it, but you get the idea. So it's not going to be like oh, I've got to get a number to go see God, you know, I'm number thousand, mil- a million and five, and you're waiting in line. No wonder it's eternity, because it's going to take me eternity to I'm going to be in this line forever, and I won't have a phone to play with, I'll just be standing there, angel music, how many times can I hear that? You know, just on and on. My hope is not here. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Are you settling for less? That's not to be guilty, that's like you don't have to settle for less. There's more coming. The best is yet to come. So no matter what's going on in your life, and you say, Dave, you don't understand what's going on in my life, and that's probably true, I'm not living in your shoes, but never settle for less. Heaven is coming. That's why we live with such good cheer. I've said this over and over again. The days we're living in, everybody's down and out and low, and when does COVID end and all those kinds of things, we as Christ followers should have a bounce in our step no matter what happens, so that at least we stick out and are weird because we have a peace that nobody else has. I don't even want to say this, because I don't want to say... We should be able to handle another five years of COVID and handle it with joy pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the answer. Nothing should get us down. There's been generations who have lived in horrible situations for decades, but the light of Christ in their lives never went out. Just because you have to wear a mask, don't have to wear a mask, get checked, you know, get... Don't let that steal your joy. We live with such good cheer. I mean, we could look at Paul's life, it was miserable at times. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down, they only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Challenge you. You know, in your notes, sometimes uh, it says pick a verse. It's a great verse. They only remind us of spacious living com- conditions ahead. Maybe you need to hold on to that no matter what it seems to be closing in around your life. Also, we realize that my ultimate treasure is not here, it's not here. You think of that one thing, you say, man, if I could just have this one thing, then life would be sweet. If I could be this one kind of person, then life would be sweet. Then we're starting to entertain that that is my treasure. That's the ultimate. Well, no. Heaven is the ultimate. And live like it. Figure it out. What does that look like for you? Where has God placed you where you can say, my treasure is not here and I'm not a weirdo. There are people that say that are that are weirdos. It's not attractive, it's not contagious. Be a contagious Christian. And a part of that, my hope is not here, my home is not here, my treasure is not here. Jesus, isn't it obvious? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Do you dream of heaven? Do you dream of living in such a way that maybe someone else's life is touched for heaven, not just by you, but by maybe a group of people, and now they'll be in heaven. Do you think about those? Is that your end game? Is that? your dream. Do you train train your mind to think that way? I have to train my mind to think that way. It's not about getting fixed something new fixed up at my house. I know some of you live this with years, so you look at me and go, Dave, you're you've got it made. You know, at the old house we had pavement. I love pavement. (laughs) The new house we don't have pavement. I hate it. I I love pavement. You remember the picture of me hugging the pavement? That was real. I love my pavement. I've got to wait till spring to see if we can afford pavement, but I want pavement. <laughs> That's not my ultimate treasure, though, Dave. No, 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 no. And I don't think if I say something like that, God's up in heaven. Okay, we'll make sure that there's no pavement for Dave Spencer ever. There'll be a shortage, you yeah. We'll be too. Ex- no, I don't, I don't think God plays that, but I don't want to value that more than the things that are important, even though I want it. <laughs> your attention is your direction. Your attention is your direction. So what you focus in on, last week we talked about awe becoming awesome instead of awful and all that kind of thing, your attention is your direction. Every once in a while I like giving you this little story uh, from 1952, young Florence Chadwick uh, stepped into the waters off the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, that's 22 miles away, determined to swim to the shore Uh, to swim to the mainland of California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in a boat alongside her told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than a half a mile away. At the news conference the next day, she was asked, what kept you from making your goal? And this is what she said. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. When you're out there and you can't see your goal, you lose all sense of progress and you Give up. Don't let the fog. Don't let the distractions. Whatever that may be. Stop you from moving forward. Where is your treasure? Where is your attention? There is no doubt that we live with a daring passion. But in the end we prefer to be gone from this body. So that we can be home with the Lord. Ultimately, it does not matter whether we're here or gone. Our purpose stays fixed, and that is to please him. If that last little phrase became your theme of your life, became my theme of my life, if I lived it most every moment, things would change. And yes, I would still be troubled. Yes, I'd have hope for this troubled world, but it would be a good hope. You see, some of us are weary. Some of us are tired. And the bottom line is this, and we're not done. We're moving along. Don't pass out as though you, as you pass through. That's what happened to Miss Chadwick. She passed out as she was passing through, and she was only a half a mile away from the California shore. And it's easy to be sitting where we're sitting, thinking, hearing that, going, yeah, half a more mile. She'd gone 15 miles. I mean, that's probably, that might be a half an hour of swimming if she was poking along. But she passed out. You and I don't have to pass out. We don't let have to let our troubles take it all away from us. Love what Peter says. He says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very soul. Not saying that the world is bad, but when something is waging against your soul, get rid of it. Walk away from it. Turn the other way. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Completely different way of looking at things. Don't let the troubles trouble you from moving forward, from passing out rather than passing through. You see, we are living far from home. Heaven's more than a dream. It is a place, but we can't put our finger on it. We get glimpses of it. We know that when we've said yes to Christ, heaven is ours. There's a place being prepared for us, and we're being prepared for that place. So we've got a couple options. We can live like this is our home. We can do that. Even a Christian can do that. Someone who has said yes to Christ accepted the free gift of salvation future and all that we can live like this is our home and again i want to say don't be thinking about the other person this is your question i can find people like oh yeah they they're living like this is their home can always so then and i must not be then don't be doing that don't be doing that don't be doing that don't love the world's ways don't love the world's goods love of the world squeezes out love of the father how many times have i seen in my own life love for something else squeezes out my action and passion for the father from living like i'm living far from home Practically everything that goes on in this world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to feel important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation, doesn't lose your relationship, it just means there's more static on the line when it comes to talking to Him or hearing from Him. It just isolates from him. In heaven, The great thing about heaven is we won't be isolated from him. So you're saying, I want to get to heaven, but then you're living not like you're going to heaven, because when you get to heaven, you will not be isolated from him. Sin will be eradicated. There will not be anything in our way. There won't be any more static on the line. The world and all its wanting, 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 wanting is on its way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Now, if you read this the wrong way, you can say, oh, you mean I earn my way, and then I'm set for eternity. It's like, it's like saving a bank account. That's not what it's saying. It's saying when you and I reflect the fact that the world is on its way out, when we get to eternity, we will be very happy about it. We will be marked as one of those people that is faithful. We could go to other passages where it talks about someone being saved, by the skin of their teeth, some of the word imagery is there. It's getting through the smoke. You can smell that they've been close. You can tell they were near the fire, if you will, but they made it. And I'm thankful that God is gracious and forgiving and all of that. And I can't look at somebody else's life and say, oh yeah, that's probably one who's going to just get by the skin of their teeth, and they're going to smell like smoke. I wonder if they'll smell like smoke for eternity. Oh, here comes Joe. Oh yeah, he smells like smoke. Yeah, that's right. I remember what he did. It's not going to be like that. But I want to be set for eternity. I want to have faithfulness that I can be rewarded for. And even more than that, I want that for my family. And then I want that for you. I want my kids my wife, Cindy, to enter the pearly gates and he got a well done, my good and faithful servant. And I want to be a father, a husband that did things and ordered his life in such a way that it was easier for them to get there, not harder for them to get there. That's me being set for eternity. So you can live like this is your home. You can live like you're in a holy huddle. You know, you just keep in this bubble. Everything's Christian, 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 Christian. I remember one time trying to explain it to my barber in Concord, New Hampshire, or not my barber, but a barber that went to our church He could, couldn't understand why I wouldn't go get my hair cut by him. He talked about all the, in Concord, New Hampshire, all like the presidential candidates would come through, and it was a photo op that all like to go in his barbershop and get a snapshot there kind of thing. And he couldn't figure out, he said he'd even give me the pastor discount. And I said, I said to him, I said, the reason I don't go to Garrick barbershop is I'm trying to meet other people that don't know Jesus. You know Jesus. I'm willing to even get an okay haircut from someone who doesn't know Jesus and maybe point to the, him, then get the best haircut and not do that. I don't, now, if it was a horrible haircut, I'd have to draw a line somewhere, and you guys might look, oh, that is horrible. But anyway, it is not. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the line there. So I don't want to live in a holy huddle. And it's actually pretty hard for me, pastor, church, 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 we have to work hard to be on the outside. Some of you have advantages that Cindy and I don't, well, I don't have. So living in a holy huddle. There's this idea sometimes they are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. That is absolutely wrong. If you are heavenly minded, you are absolutely going to be an earthly good. You can't, you, that, you're not, that, that doesn't make sense. Jesus was heavenly minded and was pretty good for the earth. Tozer says it this way, or Lewis says it this way, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get Neither. You can live like you're in a holy huddle. I entered this world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I became just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Are you a spectator? Are you in on it? Do you hear stories about lives getting changed and you're not even close to that because you're so removed from them that that could never happen in your life? You never talk about it? Paul says, I want to be in on it. I want to be in the action. I don't want to be just a spectator. I don't want to just know about it and not be a part of it. Or you can live as a representative, live as his star, not in like a capital star, I'm a star, but as his star. So we are now our representatives of the anointed one, the liberating king. And I love that. I just circled that because I don't know about you, but usually when I think about following Christ, spiritual life, I feel it limits my life. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to be, you know, it's not. He liberates us. God has given us charge to carry through our lives, urging all people on the behalf of the anointed, that's Christ, to become reconciled to the God creator. Where is the one who has been, and this is just, you know, when the wise men came looking for the star, where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. I want to be that kind of star. I want to be a part of a church that's that kind of star, that wherever we are, people are going, wait a minute, I want to worship the king. I want to get a piece of that. I want that for me. That's what I want. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. Carry this light-giving message into the night. And as you do that, you will be troubled. But it will be a good kind of trouble. So hope is here. Hope is here especially for the troubled. So please, don't pass out as you pass through. And you are passing through. I can't believe December is almost over. 2022, just around the corner. Old people say this and now I'm one of them. Time goes by faster and faster. (laughs) We are passing through at an incredible speed. So don't pass out along the way. Leverage your trouble to remind you that hope is here and then dispense that hope others. Shine brightly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that someone shined brightly in our past, maybe near past, and it grabbed our heart because it pointed to you. And here we find ourselves in a church, and some of us (laughs) never thought we'd ever be inside a church on a Sunday morning, but here we are because someone pointed to you. May we be a people that shine brightly for you. Help us not to pass out with the weight load of the troubles, whatever they may be, as we pass through. And, Father, if there's anyone here who has never said yes to you, never said, I want to follow Jesus, may this be the day of their coming into your presence with the promise of heaven, we pray. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.